Welcome to Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood, a podcast that's all about changing the way we view midlife and bringing the conversation about menopause out into the open. Each week we share stories, experiences and inspiration. We talk to experts on how to best navigate this time of life and find out how other people have not only survived but thrived through this time. I'm your host, Karen O'Connor. Hello and welcome to today's episode. Today I'm with Ryan again. Hello, Ryan. But it's going to be me that's doing the talking mostly and Ryan that is kind of going to be prompting me and asking me questions. Now I've got to say that I haven't even told him what we're going to cover here. I've just said, I'm going to talk about people pleasing. And he went, oh, that sounds interesting. That's as far as we've got in the conversation. Which, let me start off with that, because this, I expect you, and it is an expectation, to just hop yourself on these episodes and we just start talking, because that's how a conversation goes, right? Yeah. So what's brought up this whole thing was I was doing a recording last week with somebody, and I did exactly this. I mean, all my conversation, all my episodes are conversations. I never have a list of questions. They're not interviews. I don't want to do interviews. I want people to feel like they're listening to a conversation between two friends. Anyway, I asked this particular guest a question and I had uh, something in mind that I wanted her to answer it from and she didn't understand where I was coming from. So when she finished saying, I said, oh, that's not quite it. This is where I was coming from. And I shared a little story. And when I finished sharing the story, I said, so what are your thoughts on that? And she said, I don't have any. I went, oh, okay. And the conversation didn't go very well after that. When we finished recording, I said to her, did I offend you in some way? And these are the two points I want to come at this conversation from. I said, did I offend you in some way? And she said, no, 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 no. Um, But if you'd like a little feedback, I'm not used to podcast hosts sharing about themselves or doing any talking because it's usually all about the guests. So I just want to let you know that it can make people feel really uncomfortable when you, if you share yourself. And I said, but I don't interview people. I have conversations with people. Anyway, what I did was in that situation, I did what I always do. And I gave her the space to talk into. And I realized I was in a conversation after this. So there were two things went on. One, this whole ability to have a conversation and just jump around in a conversation When you're talking to somebody that you don't necessarily know or in that situation where you're on a podcast and you expect to be talking about something and the host comes along and does something unexpected, I expect people to be able to just deal with that and go with the flow. But I think it's actually an acquired, uh, uh, what's not experience, what's the word? It's an acquired, what's the word? No, not taste. Skill. It's skill. That's the word. It's an acquired (laughs) skill. It's actually something that doesn't come easily to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. 
Would you agree with that? I... I mean, the thing is, you're around actors a lot. That's that's one of the things I was going to say. To think on their feet. (laughs) There's an old, uh, I think it's a Japanese kind of saying that says that everyone has three masks that they wear in in real life. And the first is is the mask that you present to the outside world. That's, That's the mask of the personality that you are to complete trip strangers. And the second mask is the mask that you are to people who you're very intimate with. And that's 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 who you are for your for your friends or your family and even like your spouse. And then the last mask is the mask that you wear for yourself, right? And it is important to note, I think, all three are masks. There is never a time when you don't wear a mask. And I, to be honest, in, in my experience, that's very accurate. You do choose as an actor to be people in certain moments. There is never a moment in which you don't choose to be a specific person. All right. And so when you say that, like my <laughs> my reaction as an actor is they what? You can talk about things all the time. Everyone talks about things all the time. All the time. Conversations are not spent going, this is a rehearsed question, this is a rehearsed answer. Actually, in fairness, conversations do have a little bit of ooh, they're talking. I'm gonna come up with what I'm gonna say next. But you know, living is natural, and I think everyone has the capability to respond naturally to a conversation, uh, especially in a podcast form. Like if this was live to a live audience, then you have other things that get in the way, like, uh, like a certain nervousness. And I suppose people could get nervous in a podcast. I, mean, I don't, but I am an actor. So anyway, the point I'm saying is I think that that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that is my professional opinion as an actor. I think, look, warning people is fine. You definitely can warn people. You probably should warn people from a moral perspective because it's nice for people to have an expectation of what happens. However, given the fact that we exist in a world in which we're constantly required to talk to people in unrehearsed conversation, I don't personally think that's necessary. That's just me. I I think as well there was a lot of thwarted expectations. She had an idea of how it was supposed to go and it didn't. And the second one, I think, is predictability. She wanted certainty. She wanted to know how it was going to go. And what Mm. she didn't expect, what she expected was a question from me. She didn't expect a little two-minute story to fill her in on the background of where I was coming from. That was not appropriate in her world. Yes. it's And and, and I think that's... It's fair to have a different perspective. It is fair to to have that. I don't think it's necessarily fair to refuse to act on anything other than that expectation. Like she can be tripped up by it. We can all be surprised occasionally. But, you know, it is just a conversation. In terms of performance, you you like to do an improvised kind of performance, something more like uh, what we would say is commedia delate, which is the existence of a character but not a script. How the character would react to any given scenario. And so you can improvise any performance on the fly. You don't require a script. That's what you have in your podcasts. You require them to bring a character, not a script. And I suppose a lot of other podcasts require a script because then you don't need a character. You just need a script. It's an interesting perspective, I think, from an actor, that those two things are very, very different. But I quite like how performances evolve. So, I mean, are you offended? 
that, no, not, not so much by that. What happened was, and, and it, it's taken me a little while to get, so this isn't really about her of course, or her actions. This is about me and my reaction, right? So mm-hmm. I just want to get this out there. <laughs> it's all about me. Your dad and I, as you know, I've been doing personal development oh, since 2002. Done quite a lot of it. But that very first personal development course that I went on, the Landmark Forum, I remember sitting in there and watching the forum leader. I like observing people, so does Ryan. That's one of the reasons why we have such fabulous conversations, in my opinion. I watched the Landmark Forum leader and people would get up to share and there'd be these terrible stories or they'd be taking things out. They'd be yelling at the forum leader and the forum leader just sat there and I got it. Yes, I got it. They didn't take the emotion on board. They just got where that person was at without making it mean anything about themselves. And I remember sitting there at the time and going, I want to be able to do that. So when I'm confronted by something like this woman the other day, or another one that you would relate to is the nanny that we had when the girls were little, Carmen, who I don't know whether you remember the her offload went as she left and it was really vitriolic like she was full-on yelling at me but when that happens I will just stand there and go I got it I, I got it and I hear everything they say I get where they're at and they walk away nice and free I'm stuck with it because I then don't do what the forum leader does in a landmark course which is have the other person be clear on what it is they've just done, the impact, the consequences, and what's going on behind it. I haven't done that. So I walk away from a situation like that one incomplete because, yes, I've got where they are, they're at, but I haven't given myself the opportunity to communicate where I'm at or have them understand the impact of what they've just done. Mm-hmm. And that is where like one of the 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 things that we used, we've always said with landmark is you, or with any kind of personal development is it starts out for good but you can always turn it to evil there's a dark side the dark force goes with personal development i've taken that ability to get where people are at and turned it into a people pleasing thing because i wanted to make sure she was okay are you okay What's going on? Did I offend you? And then just get in it. Mm. Okay. I hear you. So that's that's what I wanted to discuss because that was really interesting for me because I don't give myself the opportunity to go, okay, got it? Now, this is the what's so. This is the impact of what you've just said. Mm -hmm. No, I, I hear you. It's, it's not the perspective I would necessarily have because I, I have a very similar reaction to people being angry with me, which is, it happens. Everyone makes mistakes. I certainly do. And when that happens, people get angry with me. So, uh, sometimes, dastardly. But the point is that when they unload, I am generally quite calm about it. I hear you. I understand that. How can I be generally on my side, the interior of my brain is saying, okay, what is the best kind of stance morally? What should I do here 
to make things, to make sure that I'm being fair and kind because I've trained myself to want to be those things. As a person, over the last few years, that's become one of my major concerns. I do the same thing. And then afterwards, you have a sit and you have a think about it. And you're like, you know what? That was unfair. I have more to say. I, that was, they didn't give me the opportunity to, to say my bit. I should have said this. I think it's in fairness. I think a lot of that is a very universal human experience. Everyone has those moments in the shower where they're like, that conversation three years ago, when this person said this mean thing, I should have said this. And then it would have devastated them. <laughs> <laughs> I think that in itself is a universal kind of human thing. Um, and also wanting to get in the final word. I like to have the final word. So there's, uh, don't get me wrong, it's not as simple as just the people pleasing thing. No. There's wanting to get in the final word. There's wanting to avoid confrontation. There's wanting to not upset people. There's, there's like a gazillion things going on. It was just that I'd never seen it from the context of. Is this just a people-pleasing exercise that I'm doing here? I think because that, that, is, that is relevant. And, and it's like you were saying that anything can be used for evil, isn't it? And so I suppose the question you've got to ask yourself is in the moment when you're people-pleasing, what's your intention? Do you want to protect yourself or do you want to make sure that you're doing right by them? Yeah, no, it's it's doing right by them. But it's, it's a step further than that. It's making sure they feel good because that's one of my superpowers. I make people relax and I make them feel good about themselves. I make people like themselves. Mm-hmm. People like themselves around me. So there's and, and I'm, this is what I, I want to figure out is when does that go too far? At what point do I, because in any situation, in this situation, I don't want to walk away feeling incomplete again. So what is it I need to do and what are the trigger points where, or the, the pivotal moments where I should be, I should have a plan B. <laughs> this is the course of action I could do if I don't want to walk away incomplete. Yeah, no, that's that's something I've been trying to think about as well, like in, as a person in my life over the last several years. And it's, I've come to a conclusion I don't think that you're going to like. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly don't like it, which is why I'm resisting it. But the conclusion is you're doing the right thing. The incompleteness is not because of something that you're doing. If someone is angry, they deserve someone who will listen and who will say, all right, you are heard. This is where I'm at. And I can see where you're at. Why don't we try to compromise in a way that's fair for you? I'm going to take your story on board and move closer to you. That's how compromise works. Because it expects them to say, you're hurt. I understand where you're at. This is where I am at. I'm going to take a step closer towards you. I think the unfairness that you're feeling is because of a lack of reciprocation, which isn't on you. <laughs> you, you can't control that. And I think that kind of leads you logically to the conclusion that you kind of just have to feel like it's unfair because you can't not give them the opportunity to do better. I think it's important to note that that feeling is not because of anything that you're doing. And you shouldn't not give them the chance 
to be what you would consider to be a better person. Because, of course, that's always evolving as well. And I might change my mind in a couple of years. Who can say? But I'm pretty sure, ethically, <laughs> that that is correct. When someone is angry, you shouldn't immediately argue with them and say something devastating because everyone deserves to be listened to. And I think it is an important assumption that in any given moment, you can be wrong and you need to be able to, at a drop of a hat, admit that because that's how we're going to grow. I think that's really, really important. So you were listening to this woman and, you were, and she was saying, Herbert, blah, 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 script, 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 talking, talking, talking. And you're like, I hear you. I get them. This is where I'm at. You know, stuff, stuff, stuff. And she was like, blah, blah, blah. More, more things. Yes. You're like, okay. And the conversation ended. And then you were like, I should have said something devastating so that she would see my point of view <laughs> and we can move on as people and grow. But I think your expectation is that she would do things in a particular way. I think if you, you have anything to do, maybe state that that's your ex expectation. I mean, you might morally, you shouldn't have to do that. It should be a demonstrative kind of thing. But if, if you wanted something to, to, to kind of do, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it is like what she was saying. Tell everyone what your expectation of a conversation is. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I have actually changed the email that goes out when, because I, I do say on the email and on any sort of correspondence, this is a conversation, it's not an interview. But I've expanded that to say, I may share. <laughs> if I think it's relevant to the story, I will share. Because I don't, I, I remember there was one woman I interviewed and she said, oh, let's do a series of interviews called Dancing in the Conversation. I went, great. What a great idea. We'll just talk like we do. Fantastic. No, she meant she could talk and I had to listen to her. So she talked. The first one we did, she talked and talked and talked. And at one point I interrupted her because I couldn't get her attention to say I wanted to say something. And I asked a question or made a comment or something, and she stopped talking for a minute. She let me talk. And then she carried on talking like I hadn't said anything. <laughs> she literally just ignored it. Didn't uh, publish those. But this, what happened with the one last week was I actually can't use the episode because she went so strange in the middle of a topic that... I, I can't use the second half of it. And so I've got a cut off in the middle of the topic and then it goes, okay, thank you. Ta bye. But that's it. And I thought I can't put it out because I'm going to leave everybody else feeling incomplete. What's with this? It just doesn't flow. Yeah. I, honestly, I think that's unavoidable. There's a logical fallacy, right? In which uh, you think that everything has a right way of doing something, right? We know a few people who think this way. Everyone does. If I do everything absolutely perfectly all of the time, everything will turn out fantastically every time. All I need to do is spend the rest of my life figuring out the exact right way to do everything. And the more you say it out loud. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, as you were saying that, I was thinking, okay, so <laughs> the next time I talk to her, or somebody like her, I will know not to say anything. But that's kind of also not what I want to do. Yeah. Which, you know, and it is your podcast. 
It's my podcast. It's your podcast. And um, I also, I've got to say, I feel a bit mean for saying, for detailing out that I couldn't use the second half of the podcast because I feel a bit mean on her that I've just got to say that. She was a fabulous guest. And, and that's the thing. It, it, does, it doesn't mean that anyone's wrong. And it being your podcast doesn't mean that you can then trammel everyone and be really rude. It's just that the bottom line is it's about your expectation because mm. you're the one making it. And you're the one who's, who's publishing it. And it's, it's a little bit of a miscommunication. And that happens all the time. Sometimes, as an actor, you just have a bad night. <laughs> you just, you go out on stage and your energy's just, you've done everything right. You've done your warm-ups, you've done your rehearsal, all your lines, but the energy's just not there sometimes it happens it's something that we try to avoid as much as we can and it's always crushing when it happens but we're people we're, we're humans we're processes and sometimes it just you just have to accept that you are gonna have an episode where you can't use the second half it's, it's interesting though isn't it because where we immediately go is what is wrong with me <laughs> it's psychologically actually I, I find it quite adorably tragic it's because okay we're humans right and and it's argued that one of the major things that have set us apart in, in terms of sentience is our ability to ask why did this happen right it's it's the basis of literally everything we've ever done certainly all religions um, because we, we see the sun rising or the stars coming out or, or the, the turn of the seasons and we ask, why is this happening? What is the cause of this? We don't just accept it. Everything that happens, why has it done this? It has fueled everything. And there's a really, really sad thing that happens when parents get divorced. That happens along the same lines. Because if something bad happens, and we cannot see a reason for it. The only thing left for us to assume is that we did something wrong. And it happens all the time with divorces. That's why the, 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 the tragedy rate with divorces is so high, because the kids always assume that they did something wrong. And it's the same in, in a lot of human interactions. If there are two people and you're like, you know what, that is a fair reaction on your part. Absolutely fair. It's not perfect but I wouldn't expect perfection from a human being. That's, that's fine. It must be my fault. I actually think that's where I went wrong with all this because my question was, did I offend you? That's, that's the key for my upset in all this. It's, it's like apologising for everything. As women, we apologise for everything. It is a leading <laughs> question. So I suppose the thing is, what could I say other than did I do something to offend you? Did I do something wrong? Just what happened? Was there something yeah. that happened? I think, I think that's a really good point. The way we phrase things is so important. As an actor, as a writer, as a human being, it's so important. Did yeah. I offend you is a hooked question, and the hook is not pointing at her. Um, no. <laughs> and I get upset when she says, well, yeah, you did. <laughs> if you had gone in and you'd said something along the lines of, I thought I noticed that things got a little bit awkward in the second half of the conversation. That's just my observation. Is that true? And if so, 
how can we stop it from happening again? I think doesn't assume anything. Mm. It's possibly a little bit too open because if you did do something to offend her, then it's, it's not an apology. But that's the thing. If you don't want to apologize, if you don't feel like you've done anything wrong, then, you know, why? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, and I didn't. I, I was, it was interesting that that was the question that came out of my mouth that I took on the full responsibility for having done something wrong, in inverted commas. Yeah. When, when I was talking to Joe a few years ago about her apologising too much, because I'm sure it's no surprise to anyone that Joe apologises for things far too much. She was very, very harsh on herself. And I said, at the time, we, we had a cat. Kevin, lovely cat. He was the worst. But I said, would you... Would you be this mean to Kevin? Like if he did something and he did it like a little bit wrong, would you assume that he was a bad cat? Would you assume that it was all his fault? You know, would you be that cruel to him? And she's like, no, it's just an animal. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's step it up. Would you be that cruel to me or to a stranger? Why are you assuming that everything's your fault? Just allow yourself to be a human being, a work in progress, because you don't need to apologize for something. if you aren't aware that you've done anything wrong, if you are aware that you've done something wrong, that is a completely different story. Completely different story. But you shouldn't have to go into a conversation and be like, I am not sure what's wrong. I'm going to assume that I did something terrible. So my bad, everyone. <laughs> and I think women in particular tend to do that. We, yeah. we tend to assume that we've done something wrong or we haven't done something that we should have done, but whatever's going on is our fault due to what we've done or haven't done. And I think this leads quite nicely onto what you were saying about the forum leaders, because the forum leader in this case wore a mask, right? I, have, I absolutely would doubt that that is how they act with their spouses or their children or their best friend. But there's no apology there, which is fine. They don't have anything to apologize for. But when we're dealing with the people that we love, and because love is so irrational, anything that hurts them, we will apologize for. <laughs> and if you extend that care, that, that unconditional love to the people that you're dealing with, if you're trying to be kind and love is the basis of kindness, then your instinct will be to apologize either for being a certain way or not being a certain way or doing something or not doing something or or if the world around you is terrible and you have no control over that and you'll apologize for having no control over that because you obviously should be able to control that and it just goes on and on and on <laughs> so i think is it that that lack of apology is what you admired in the forum leader quite possible well no it it was being able to take to hear somebody without taking on board the emotion or the blame or whatever else was going on, because I wasn't able to do that at that point. And you really, I mean, how old were you? You were, what, six when I did the forum? So you wouldn't have known me any other way than being able to listen to somebody. But I couldn't do that before then. I Terrible reaction. I'm still a reaction quite a lot of the time. But, you know, I didn't have that ability. Now I can recognise when somebody needs to be heard for the most part and hear them. And 
Yeah, it's that, it is that apologising. It's the taking responsibility. Ah, and that's it. That's the other thing as well. Where does responsibility end in all this? Good question. <laughs> I know, right? Like, it's really messed up, isn't it? Entangled. It is. It's really entangled. On the one hand, yeah, you should you should try to take responsibility for as much as possible because we have a responsibility to ourselves and to the world around us. But on the other hand, sometimes I've had a really bad day in which I've tried to do everything right and I had no reason to think I was doing anything wrong and everything went wrong. Was it still my fault? Arguable. <laughs> Very arguable. <laughs> and so on those occasions I do apologize you know in retrospect I don't blame myself but I still take responsibility for it I don't apologize for it anymore but I do thank the people involved for their involvement <laughs> I think because that's one of the things I said to Joe about the about the, the sorry this is just another tangent I said whenever you say or you go to say I'm sorry or a related thing change it instead of being, saying I'm sorry for being so sad say thanks for being patient and uh, instead of i'm sorry for that i'm late thank you for waiting because sorrow is a very selfish emotion isn't it very poor me and i hate poor me i think that's one of the things that's driving me nuts about this is i yeah i do do poor me don't get me wrong but i also it, i'm not comfortable with it it's not it's not a persona that fits me well at all well we've 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 been over the, the the spectrum of emotion and how you have to feel all of them. And and sorrow is one of those things. Very selfish emotion, sorrow, but you have to feel it. I think what you're angry about was that that was your knee-jerk reaction. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> that was your that was, she was at she 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 would have been there. And you were like, sorrow. I have an emotion. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it kind of wasn't sorrow at all. It was more. Mm. I suppose I didn't. It, no, it wasn't sorrow. I, I don't. I don't mean sorrow in another self. I don't mean you suddenly felt tragedy. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. Sorrow is in my reaction is sorry. There is a hurt. There is an, a thing, and I'm going to do everything that I can to yeah. fix it. Yes. Which is not necessarily what sorrow is, because sorrow is immobile emotion. It doesn't move anywhere. Anger is the opposite reaction. The other end of that spectrum. It's all action. Which is generally so, yeah. me, which is why I don't do sorrow very well. Right? <laughs> it's a mood. So, yeah, I think that, that the fact that that was your first em uh, emotion, that was that, the, that kind of apology, that assumption that you'd done something wrong was why you were incomplete, why you were upset about the way the conversation went. I still think, personally, you did everything fine. I wouldn't say right, because I don't think there's such a thing as right. I went to say that you did everything right, but let's just assume that you can't do anything right. I think you did fine. I think that was morally and socially and personally a good reaction. It, it works. The fact that you felt incomplete is because of your assumption of what she would do, and that's not something that you can control. Yeah, possible. I don't think the incompletions about what she didn't do, the incompletions about what I didn't do. But what didn't you do then? 
I didn't necessarily communicate. I didn't communicate what was going on for me. I didn't give myself the opportunity to communicate my reaction to what she'd said. Okay. I gloss over it. Yes. Had you processed it at that point? No, not really. That's the other thing that I find is a lot of the time, if there's an emergency or certainly if there's an argument, you put the emotions to one side and you deal with them later. I will process them in my own time, which means that I never get to confront people about when I'm, I'm angry in a moment because I'll process that later. <laughs> yep. And if you, if you weren't able to process it in the moment, then, then that's a relevant thing to be aware of. If you're not aware of that, then if you want to avoid that next time, you probably need to say, uh, make them aware of that. I have more to say, and I will follow up on this when I figured out what it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably it. That, I think that's it. It's just that I, I didn't communicate where I was at, but I couldn't, yes, because I do get off it, completely get off it, and I cannot get back into myself for a little while because I'm just like, no, get over there while I just be in the moment. I, I find it happens to me as well. Joe's always like, you're so grumpy in the moment. I'm like, I'm really not. There is no emotion there whatsoever. No. I'm just moving. The emotion comes later. It's a delayed reaction. And I think it is important to be aware of that. And for, for a lot of people, not just for you, but like no. any listeners who, who are identifying with this, be aware that emotions and their processing is not an instantaneous thing. For some people, they can in the moment just exist emotionally which is fine but then of course you don't have the logical processing you can do one or the other in my experience generally not both at the same time sometimes you can but not all the time and the the arguments that you see where people just really rev up to something like you were saying about Carmen that does have a trail in she'd have to figure out what she was feeling and how she was feeling and what she was saying and all of those kinds of things before she got there because you do need to, to rev up to it but doing that means the person that you're arguing with also haven't had time to rev up to that moment. So it's not fair. It's not a fair emotional kind of thing. So I've gotten into the habit, if, and this might be helpful, of saying, look, I haven't really processed what we're discussing right now. I will get back to you when I have. But at this point, this is what I think. I, I actually say that fairly often. When I have, uh, when, when we're going through a crisis, because there are a lot of crises in my life, everyone, I have a very crisis-filled life. It's fantastic. And when something goes wrong, as it often does, uh, Jill will be like, how are you feeling? And I'm like, honestly, haven't processed it yet. I'll let you know. But for now, I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point, yeah. You have to be aware that I think a lot of people assume that, that the emotional kind of stuff <clears throat> just happens. It just happens. They're like, why wasn't I angry in the moment? Why couldn't I say this in the moment? That's not, that's not how this works. <laughs> you feel it. And the feelings, like what you call anger or sadness or, or, or envy, is what you've labeled after it's happened. In the moment, it doesn't come up under a label of anger. You just get this feeling. You can identify it afterwards. But it's, it's not labeled. It doesn't have meaning. It just is. And you have to figure it out later. <laughs> Welcome to being alive. <laughs> and on that note, it's time to go. <laughs> Thanks so much, Dovish. You're very welcome. I, uh, 
I, I apologize. I should have let you talk a little bit more, but I, I really appreciate your hearing me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll go away and process what you just said and I'll get back to you. Nice. <laughs> See, we're, we're working on it. We're learning. <laughs> for joining us this week on menopause marriage and motherhood make sure you subscribe to the show on your favorite player and while you're at it we'd love you to leave us a rating on itunes or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show that would be amazing too be sure to tune in next week for the next episode and remember if you're busy thinking about what you can't have how on earth are you going to enjoy what you can have see you next week